Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hey, Trojan fans, welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast, a very special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Today we have former USC great Curtis Conway. You can follow him on Twitter at CurtisConway80. That's at CurtisConway80. Played more than a decade in the NFL from Hawthorne High School. First round draft pick back in 1993, and he just celebrated his 44th birthday a few weeks after mine. I'm also weird to same age, Curtis. I don't know if you know that, January 13th. But happy birthday, Curtis, and thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem, no problem. And I know you're down in Mobile, Alabama right now doing some uh, senior bowl coverage for the NFL Network. But if you don't know, you can also see Curtis on uh, the Pac-12 Network. He's an analyst uh, for the Pac-12 Network. And I hear you got uh, some training coming up too, Curtis, if there, there's uh, you're starting your own website and stuff. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm actually uh, got into start training some wide receivers, some high school guys, a few college guys and guys that are getting ready. You know, for the pros, I've been, I've been having this coaching itch for a while, and so, uh, you know, the coaching deal, he put a lot of time in there, so I figured I could uh, give my expertise by creating my own little uh, receiver academy, and so I hadn't really started it up uh, full time yet. I've been up there with a few guys, but uh, it's definitely going to be uh, up and going in about the next three weeks or so. Okay, do you have a site ready for it yet, or are you still kind of still in the development? <laughs> Well, it's just about done. Um, the site will be Seaway Three dot uh, net. Okay. And um, once it's up, I mean, it's pretty much done now. But um, you know, I'm out here doing this uh, Senior Bowl stuff, getting ready, prepping for uh, the draft, and so I hadn't really uh, put it out there until I get back and I'm ready to rock and roll. Okay, cool. Well, we'll definitely check that out, and I'll, I'll let people know on USCFootball.com. Seaway Three dot uh, net. Is that right? Did I get that yep. right? Cool. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> you got it. Uh, well, okay. So, it, for like I mentioned before, Curtis is a analyst on the Pac-12 Network. So you get to follow this USC, you know, team because you get to follow all the teams in the Pac-12. And of course, you know, being a, a former USC player yourself, you kind of know what's going on there. Steve mm-hmm. Sarkeesian's first year. Maybe get your your kind of overall impressions looking back at the uh, at the season with nine wins. You know what? I, I thought Steve did a great job. Uh, I, I remember in training camp when we uh, we were doing our training camp tour for Pac-12, and I remember having a conversation with uh, Sark, and he was talking about how great Adore was going to be, and they really wanted to use him on the offensive side of the ball, use his uh, his running ability. And, and I remember him being at Washington. Um, he, he did a great job. Who are throwing the ball, getting the ball out of his hands quick, and I think he wanted to do that uh, a, a little more with a Dorian. And then when he had to use him full time on defense, it kind of took away from the offense based on the things he wanted to do. And so the way he was able to really adjust and you know get Buck Allen going, and then all of a sudden uh, you know got uh, Cody a little comfortable back then to where he started throwing the ball down the field a little more toward the season around that Washington game. Uh, I think considering what he had to deal with, man, I thought he did an excellent job. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. You mentioned the the Cody Kessler kind of throwing the ball downfield. I mean, you were an explosive playmaker when when you were at SC. Uh, I mean, what? How did you stack up the the talent USC had at wide receiver? And did you do you feel they kind of utilized those guys well, at least towards the end of the season? You know, I think so. I think when you if you watch USC's film, uh, I think it was more so to do with Cody being more comfortable with throwing the ball down the field. I mean, there were times guys were were down there, and uh, I think Cody was a little reluctant to release it. He wasn't trusting what he saw. And you saw the difference. If you study the tape, you saw the difference. After that Washington State game, we, he had a lot of confidence getting the ball down the field. And, and, it, and that's when you saw Nelson really take off. He had those big games and ended up with, you know, over 100 catches and about 1,300 yards. And, of course, when you got, you know, your other guy being a freshman in Juju Smith, you got to get used to him. You're trying to figure out who's the other guy. Uh, but I think it all gelled in, in, in the way Sark was able to, I would say, ride Allen for a while until the passing game actually came along. Uh, I, I thought it was remarkable. But uh, he, Cody, he, he, I think he was patient enough throughout the year, and, and when he was ready to unleash, he, he did. I mean, he had, I thought he did an excellent job. The uh, interesting, you know, we, we knew that Nelson Aguilar was good. He was the, the go-to guy. We thought he'd end up going, uh, leaving early for the NFL. We thought Buck Allen would. We thought Leonard Williams would. I guess the surprise guy is a receiver, and, and maybe get your take on it, you being a receiver as well. Uh, George Farmer leaving uh, early. Guy that has great, you know, straight line, you know, straight ahead speed, front line speed, I guess you could say. And um, what did you get your thoughts on him uh, deciding to leave early for the NFL? You know, it, it's a weird situation because kids leave for different reasons. Me on the outside looking in, I thought it was probably a really bad decision. And you look at you, you have arguably outside of, uh, I would say you probably have the best quarterback in the conference coming back, uh, and Cody, and you got Nelson leaving. So I'm betting on it's my time to shine. You know, everybody wants to know who I who I am, and now I have the perfect opportunity to come back and be that high because, of course, with Juju having the year that he had, you couldn't have sat there and doubled up on George. So I, I, I just thought that, to me, was a huge mistake. I wouldn't I wouldn't have left and if I would have had an opportunity to give a guy like George advice, I would have told him to stay, you know. But knowing everything that's going on with him, um, just based on pure football and what I saw from SC, you know, there's no way I wouldn't have left. I would have left. The uh, one of the things I just want to make sure I got this right, but uh, you know, just remembering from my days at USC and uh, you, one of the years that you were there, I believe this was right. But tell me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you know that you scored a touchdown five different ways in one of the seasons by throwing, by running, returning punts, returning kicks, and uh, receiving, receiving touchdowns. So if that's true, and do you think there's anyone on this USC roster that's left that that could could kind of uh, repeat that feat that you had back in the the early '90s? Man, I would say if anybody could do it, it would be a Dory Jackson. I mean, just a pure athlete, man. And I remember uh, watching a Dory when he was in high school. And a uh, good friend of mine who coached him at Fair, Marvin Pollard, he, he said, see, well, you got to come watch this kid. He reminds me of you when you were in high school. And, and you know, I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and when I saw him, I, when I saw him, I, I was just like, I mean, he was just so smooth and natural. And effortless with everything that he did. And so, uh, you know, watching him, it didn't surprise me the success he had at USC early on because he was that kind of athlete. You put 
anywhere at the skill, whether it be safety, corner, inside receiver, outside receiver, backfield, or even throwing the ball, you know, I felt he was capable of doing it. Now, you know, being a real drop back quarterback, that takes more than just being an athlete, but he has the skills to be able to throw a touchdown. And we definitely know he can run and catch it. So uh, if, if anyone, I think he would be the guy. He might be able to do one with the interception return for a touchdown. So maybe he can get a, a touchdown a different way yeah, than he, you did. Yeah, he may top me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. That would be great for recruiting, too. You get a player to, to score like that. But what what year was that when you did that? Do you remember? That was my junior year. Okay. So it was 92-ish? ish 92 then? 92. You know, I'm getting old, man. I just had a 44th birthday. <laughs> been me too, man. Been players for a couple of years. So <laughs> my memory, it, it doesn't serve me well too much. I got to get back and look over the internet. Yeah. I stuff about myself. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look it up. I think it was the 92 range, something like that. But that that was interesting. Uh-huh. Um, one of the – so fans were kind of – I guess upset going into you know the end of last season when Ed Orgeron wasn't retained. I think Steve Sarkeesian mm-hmm. won a lot of people over with the way he mm-hmm. kind of handled the entire offseason with signing day, doing really well to get guys like Adoree Jackson and Juju Smith on signing day, and all the time kind of leading up to the season. And then when the season starts, people started to kind of lose some patience. There were some fourth quarter kind of collapses there and stuff what what did you see from this kind of usc defense it's you know is it do you think that was the sanctions do you think it was guys getting tired at the end of the games why did you think usc kind of struggled as games went on this this season i mean first of all you gotta i mean you have to look at this team look at first of all let's take the loss they go on the road to boston college and who would have thought that the quarterback would have ran for 191 yards he didn't even know I don't think anyone on that staff would have thought he would have had that kind of game. And they still only lost by six points. On the road, the next loss, Arizona State, Hail Mary, they lose at the end of the game. And then they lose to Utah at the end of the game. And then they lose to UCLA at UCLA. And UCLA, a pretty good team, ranked number seventh in the country at the beginning of the year, who I thought actually – uh, play below their potential this year considering the talent level that they had. They had more talent than USC. So I look at those four losses, I mean, you can't really say that they had a bad year. You know, I think USC, we got kind of spoiled with the P-Care era. And we want wins, we want it right now. But they go on the road, they beat Stanford by three. And we all kind of know, um, we call it, I like to call it the big game hangover. You got a bunch of young guys that really don't know how to, uh, I would say, prepare week in and week out. And, of course, Stanford was our Achilles heel. We wanted to beat Stanford back. We go on the road and we beat Stanford. So it's a lot of energy, a lot of happiness. And then you got the next week, you got to go to Boston College and play them on the road. It's always tough. You watch NFL teams. They play a big game one week and all of a sudden they play a team they should beat the next week and they get beat. And, and, and that kind of happens in games. But when you look, like I said, when you look at the rest of the losses, I mean, you lost to Utah, top 20 team in the country. You lose to Arizona State, top 20 team in the country, and you lose to UCLA. And you're talking about a team that was basically undermanned. Uh, you got you got a, a young true freshman. You got true freshmen out there making plays for them and, and a quarterback with his first year starting a new head coach. When I look at that, man, I – as a football player, I have to say that I was probably more success than anybody 
uh, that's giving them credit. For, I thought they had an excellent year considering what they had to deal with. And when I look at their losses, uh, I don't see where the gripe was. I mean, they were, you know, when they lost to Boston College, of course, everybody figured, oh, how did they lose to Boston College? Are you kidding me? We just beat Stafford. But I kind of understand that dynamic, you know, of the preparation that went into that week, how focused you are. It's Stanford. Everybody, you know, you're not taking phone calls. And there's a lot of things you're doing in, in a big week. And then all of a sudden, you see Boston College on your schedule. You just be Stanford. You're feeling yourself a little bit. <laughs> and I guarantee you a bunch of those young guys didn't really understand or know how to prepare that second weekend. And unless you played the game, you understand how much focus you put into a big week. And then the next week, if you're not playing a game that big, you kind of slack off a little bit and, you know, and you're not as focused and then you go on the road and they have you circled. You know, I guarantee you Boston College had USC circled. I don't yeah. know if USC had Boston College <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we had some questions I wanted to get to from some of the users on the Peristyle on uscfootball.com. But you are down in uh, Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. And I believe it's Josh mm-hmm. Shaw and Hayes Pillard down there. I don't know if there's – I don't think there's other SC guys there, but just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on how they've looked so far. You know what? I was really impressed with Josh, man. Uh, got a chance to talk to him after the first practice yesterday. Watched him in drills. Uh, you know, they did some real good press coverage drills, and uh, he definitely stood out at that, uh, being able to get up in these guys' face and stay on top. And his technique was great considering, you know, missing a lot of the season and really being a safety um, but had him play in some corner. Um, and, and then Hayes, you know, coming in, being a little undersized, but, you know, getting around guys, getting to the ball. So these guys are doing a good job, man. You know, uh, so far, you know, it, it's been – today was the first day in pads. So you got a chance to really see the real deal. And uh, I think so far these guys have been doing a pretty good job. Okay, cool. Uh, well, we got some questions from from the fans here, so hopefully uh, you don't mind answering a few of them. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of run and, through and he, Anything, man. I'm open book. All right. Well, Trojan Dynasty wants to know: Does he? Do you still go by the name the Comet? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> when was that? I I didn't like that name, man. To be honest with you, I don't know who who thought of that. I mean, it was probably a good idea, but uh, you know, I, I, I I'm definitely not going by the Comet these days. All right. The Comet. When when was that? Was that uh? Was that college? That was or? when I was at USC my junior year. Okay. That's the first time I heard it at least. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Running Fig wants to know, uh, do you truly feel that Sark has what, it's ta- has what it takes to lead UC to USC to a national championship? And he also wants to know, how's my boy Travis Hanna doing? People are sleeping on you guys, Hawthorne High, film, Hawthorne High School <laughs> film, right? <laughs> I do, man. I really believe in what Sark has. You know, it, it all comes down to getting the players. You can have some pretty good coaches, but if you don't have the players, it's it's tough to win in college football. And, and so, you know, Sark has already proven that he can go out and he can land some of the top recruits. You know, he, he kept Juju home. He kept Adoree home and got those guys. And I think you're going to see uh, even better recruiting because, you know, we understand how important it is to get the local kids and keep them home. And it just makes it better for the rest. So starting off there, I think he's going to be able to get the players to build that program back to what it needs to be. And I believe in his offense. You know, everybody talks about his, you know, the, the his offense. You got to think about it. Even at Washington, when he had Pope and and Chip Sankey, he had some really good running backs that ran for a lot of yards, and he was still able to throw the football with Key Price. 
So his offense to me is proven. You know, it may not be what they used to run, but he's had some very productive running backs. Uh, some very productive receivers. And, I, again, I, I just look at what he had to deal with this year. Two true freshmen basically were the stars of the football team outside of Cody and, and Leonard and, and uh, Nelson. You know, Juju and Adore was huge for him. two true freshmen. And, um, you know, uh, just just being short, we always used to talk about it on the network where we knew around the fourth quarter that's when USC was going to get a little tired because of the lack of uh, depth that they had uh, on the football team. And so you, you saw some of those late games against Utah and Arizona State where it showed up. I wasn't coaching. I was just a team, period. Yeah. I mean, a lot, some people may beg to differ, but being a football player and watching this team closely, watching the all-22s and studying them, you can just tell they got wore down at the end of these games against some really good football teams. So I do think Sark has what it takes. What about and Travis? Yeah. My boy, oh, Travis, yeah. <laughs> Travis, Travis is around, man. Me and Travis, we, we still talk all the time. As a matter of fact, I talked to him like two days ago and he's doing fine for himself, man. Uh, he's doing, you know, he has a, a few businesses that he's running. So he's doing, he's doing well for himself. All right. Uh, let's see. About that life is asking a question. What are your thoughts on T. Martin as a coach? Guys seem to improve at the wideout position the most between year, years one and year two, and then sort of say stagnant for their third year. Obviously, this could just be defenses keying on them more, but personally, I'm not seeing a marked improvement with technique, routes, etc. Also, do you think we need do we do a good enough job blocking at the wideout position? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know what? I don't think it's T. Martin. And it's funny you mentioned that. I'm, I'm up here at the Senior Bowl, and I'm talking to a lot of these GMs and scouts and and, and coaches. And you would be surprised the difference in, in guys uh, having the willingness to block and and do all those little things and get better. And I think coaches mean well. The difference in college, and I say this all the time, is that you don't really have the time to do as much as you want. You know, let's not forget, these kids have class. They, they, Their schedules are awkward. So to try to really continue to get these kids to get better and better, teach them the playbook, game plan every week, class, study table, it's a lot you're asking. And so, you first of all, the kid has to want to really do it. He has to want. I mean, if he's out there, you can get him out there. But if he's not putting forth the effort to get better, but he's getting away with making plays on Saturday, it's it's hard to really, you know, make a kid uh, do that, especially if he's performing on Saturday. So I, I do think T. Martin is a good coach. I mean, he definitely understands the game. Um, you know, he I don't know if he's uh you know has a PhD in being a receiver. He was a quarterback, but he definitely understands uh, how to get these guys better. And, and believe it or not, a lot of these kids that come to USC and go to a lot of programs, they they're raw as can be. You know, some of them don't even know how to run routes. They just make plays because they're good athletes, and you got to teach them wide receiver one on one. So that's probably why you see a big jump. And once they start making plays, it's kind of hard to to get into them at that point. <laughs> to say, oh, you need to get better. It's like, man, I scored two touchdowns. I don't need to watch them. I don't need to do this. I'm doing. I'm doing just fine doing what I'm doing. So I wouldn't totally put that on T. Martin. It definitely takes the player to want to get better. All right, thanks for that. Let's see. Uh, Blitz and Hut wants to know. They he said, "I was Ryan. I was just talking about Curtis the other day. Can you please ask him how close he was to going to Nebraska? I seem to recall he was actually in <laughs> class at Nebraska when he decided to leave and come back home to USC." 
you know what? It's so funny. I was just telling our producer uh, my story uh, and how I ended up back at USC. Of course, I was I was at Nebraska. Believe it or not, um, you know I didn't pass the SAT, so they they brought me in as a Prop 48, and uh, I was there for about a week and a half uh, as a Cornhusker, and I was about to register for classes, and I just never forget sitting there before I. Uh, Turn my classes in, some just came over to me in my mind. I was like, look, you know, I'm a Trojan, man. I, I'm going home. And my roommate at the time was Derek Brown out of Servite. He had already committed there. He wanted to go to Nebraska. And he tried to talk me out of it. Like, what do you mean going back to USC? Uh, I said, man, I'm just going to go back and try to figure out where I can go to study for the test because we're, at Hawthorne, we didn't have any SAT preps and all this all these classes, so I was just kind of going in there taking it just because I had to take it and without any prep. So once I got back to SC, I was able to get in the Princeton Review and uh, actually prepare for the test, and I passed it on the first one. And from that point, it was history, man. I knew I always wanted to be a Trojan. I never even took a, re- a recruiting trip out of high school, and I was one of the highly recruited track and quarterbacks in the country. And while I was in high school, I never took a recruiting trip. I, I and I was I, I tell people I was bleeding cardinal and gold before I even touched the uniform. Oh, really interesting. Yeah. Now, did you do El Camino College for a little bit too, or is that like kind of the prep stuff? What happened was uh, after I passed the SAT in September, USC wanted me to sit the whole year out. They wanted to bring me in on a football scholarship versus a track scholarship, so I had to sit the whole year out. So I was working the first semester. And I couldn't get into a junior college after I passed the SAT. So I had to wait to the second semester. I registered at El Camino to take a few courses that would transfer into USC just so I can try to get a jump on school. And that's how I ended up at El Camino. I wasn't there playing any sports. I was just there taking courses that would transfer into USC. Okay, cool. Um so got him out a question on George Farmer, but it maybe can expand on mm-hmm. it a little bit. He said, uh, as a former track star and speedster himself, what do you think of George Farmer in the draft with such low numbers, 30 receptions and four touchdowns, as opposed to staying for a fifth year and maxing out on his opportunities at USC? And and does he have? what does he have to do to raise his stock before the draft? And what does he need to work on the most to make a team as a free agent, which most likely seems like his, his destination? You know what? Number one, I wouldn't have came out. There's no way if he would have talked to me or anyone I would have advised him to come out. He had a better situation in Spain because, of course, the knock on him was the injury. So even if he got injured again in his senior year, that's kind of the M.O. on it anyway. If he would have stayed and had a good year, which I knew he probably would have had because we saw once he was healthy the things that he can do, but he doesn't have enough film. And trust me, I'm up here with these guys. And, they, you know, it's one thing to be able to run straight ahead. They want to be able to see can you play. And he just to me, he don't have, he doesn't have enough tape. So, if, you know, if he makes a team as a free agent, what these kids don't understand is the business part of the game. If you have a third-round draft pick and just say George is a little better than him, they're going to keep the third-round guy and you're going to get cut just because they drafted him in the third round and you're an unrestricted free agent, it's very hard for unrestricted free agent wide receiver to make a team. Now, what you're hearing up here and which I know from past experience, if you really want to make a team as an unrestricted receiver, you have to play special teams. You have to be gunner on punt. You're going to have to try to return punts. You're going to have to run down on kickoffs. 
Because what that does is now you become a two, you become more valued because now you can make the team as a special team guy. You can travel, and you can also travel being that fourth receiver. Most of the time, if you're just a pure receiver and you don't do anything else, you won't make the 53-man roster or you won't travel. So he's going to have to understand that he's going to have to come into this league knowing that, guess what, the best way for me to make a team is probably going to be on special teams because he's not going to get the fair shot that most of these guys that they drafted is going to get, and that's just the nature of the beast. All right, makes sense. Uh, thanks for that, Gunham. Let's see, Trojack. What sports and positions do your kids project as? Oh, man. Well, I have two boys that they, they're more basketball players. I mean, they, they definitely should be playing football, but they're basketball guys, my older boys. And then my baby boy, I don't know what he's going to do, man. He's going to have so much pressure on him. I hope he just <laughs> focus on the classroom and, and don't pick up a ball or a boxing glove or anything, man. How old is he? I, I, would hate, I would hate to see what he's going to have to go through when, when he starts playing sports. And how old is he? He's six right now. Okay. And if, if for people who don't know, Curtis is married to Layla Ali, uh, Muhammad Ali's daughter. And, you know, fa- so both these guys famous in their own way. So, yeah, I could, I could see your, your youngest son uh, having a little bit of pressure on him, Curtis. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> try, throwing me and my, try throwing me and mommy out of the picture and just granddad alone. Muhammad Ali's grandkid and looks just like him. <laughs> what can you do? I can see now kids trying to pick fights with my baby, man. I'm going to live at these schools. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. We'll see what he ends up doing. We'll follow his career there. Maybe he'll be uh, a scout 100 player at some point. We'll see. Um, oh, yeah. SC Crazy 2 says, do you enjoy working with Rick? He says RN. I assume he means Rick Neuheisel. And do you think Rick Neuheisel talks too much? I do think Rick talks too much, but Rick <laughs> knows exactly what he's talking about. That's the good thing about Rick. Uh, Rick is awesome, man. He's, he's funny. I think he's actually great for TV. Um, and, and Rick is, believe it or not, man, his, he, Rick can tell you about anything in the Pac-12, man. Rick is solid. I think Rick needs another shot at coaching, man, because he, this man, when we're watching games, he actually made the network bring in the whiteboard. And he's up there asking no one, drawing up stuff, why they should have did this, why they could have done that, you know, and, and, uh, He's just awesome, man. I, I really, I do enjoy working with him, you know. But we do have to every now and then try to push the mute button, or I got to kind of cut in and, and and have him, you know, be quiet every now and then. But you know, it's hard to try to get a head coach to shut up every now. And then. <laughs> I think he's great. I mean, I don't. I, unfortunately, I don't get the Pac-12 network, so I can only see stuff online or whatever. But man, he, uh, I think he's an awesome. Rick analyst. is awesome. Yeah, I've done some radio hits with him and. We talked about you know Marquise Lee back when he was recruiting him for UCLA and how he thought he was going to be awesome and uh, you know I I think he's been a, a great I mean USC fans might not like him because he coached at UCLA and stuff but you know uh, I, I don't hate on my boy Rick no. he's, a, he's Rick is a cool cat that's my man yeah he, I like him too so all right great uh, Big Nick twenty one USC ask Curtis who's the better basketball player him or his roommate Mil- Willie McGinnis the LOL fight on. Oh, Willie McGinnis, man. Willie could have played basketball at USC for, for George Ravlin, man. He, Willie was a really good basketball player at Poly. You know, I played basketball. I stopped playing my sophomore year. But, I, you know, if I if I had to pick a guy, it would definitely be Willie. Oh, okay. And I, you mentioned George Ravlin. He was the coach back then. And uh, we actually put a story. Right. Yeah, we put a story up on uscfootball.com with Martin Luther King being the day this week. Um 
uh, George Ravlick was actually working security there and got the I had a dream speech from Martin Luther King and he still has it in his uh, you know his, his collection there. So it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, with wow. The, yeah. So yeah, we put it up on. If you haven't seen it, it's on uscfootball.com. Kurt, uh, our, our boy Shotgun Spratling wrote it this week. It was a really interesting piece about uh, George Raveling. and uh, yeah. So yeah, he, he was right there next to uh, Martin Luther King and asked him for a speech, which didn't say. Apparently, didn't say. He didn't say, "I have a dream." He didn't write that down. That was that kind of came to him, like he was losing it or something. And uh, but it's kind of interesting. So that's, that's, that's you mentioned awesome. George Raveling. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, here's one. Uh, ask him how his father-in-law is doing and tell him we're all praying for him, the GOAT. Yeah, he's the GOAT, man. I hate when other people use the GOAT. He's the greatest. He's doing great, man. Uh, of course, you know, uh, he was in the hospital, but he got out uh, doing well. And, you know, I think people got nervous because he had to go for, back for a checkup and people found out he was back in the hospital, but he was just really going for a checkup. But he's back home and you know, my sister-in-law was out there, and, of course, Layla, my wife, they went out there the first time, and, uh, you know, everybody was out there checking on him. But my sister-in-law stayed, of course. She's a she's a real daddy's girl. And uh, he's back home and back to himself and, you know, laughing and, and hanging out and, and, and being Muhammad. So he's he's doing fine, man. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a strong individual. He, he, he's he's mentally and spiritually tough so uh you know he, he's back he's back to being muhammad that's great and that was that was from armis dandoy so thanks for sending in that one and we have one more tell for him you I, tell, tell him i said thank you yeah, okay we thanks, certainly uh, will um sc rules la the last question for you well actually I had a couple but um yes he does rule la <laughs> the first I one he has LA. don't believe that hype <laughs> do you wish that you played quarterback now yeah i, I guess that's what we say he's just uh, do, do you wish that you had had played quarterback? I mean, you started off as a quarterback, but then, you know, turned yeah, away. Not back then. I think I was before my time. You know, what you see Russell Wilson and all these guys doing now, that was my game back in the day. I can throw it, but I was also a good runner also. And at that time, um, you know, it just wasn't being accepted at the next level. So that's what made me really want to play wide receiver. But back then, I think I did the right thing by moving over. I mean, I can't. You know, you can't argue with being the seventh pick of the draft. So <laughs> I think I think I, you know, I did myself some good by moving over to wide receiver, man. So uh, I thought it was a I thought it was a good move, and it worked out. I ended up getting twelve, you know, good NFL seasons. Lord knows what would happen if I would have stayed at quarterback. Yeah, who knows? But I, but 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 Ryan, I want to put this out there since he he said uh, what the Trojan rules L.A. Is that his name? S C rules L.A. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny because I, you know, I was talking to a guy and he was talking about UCLA deepness, and you know, I'm a diehard Laker fan. Nothing against UCLA. Love, I got some guys on that football team that I'm close to, and on the coaching staff, and I, you know, uh, I like the Clippers. But I, I say this about LA: when people, when you know, UCLA, they're in this thing about we run LA. The Clippers love beating up on the Lakers now. And so everybody has said it's a Clippers, UCLA town. And this is what I like to say to those fans. <laughs> you guys get a kick Clipper fans out of beating the Lakers. UCLA gets a kick out of beating USC. But USC and the Lakers bring L.A. championships. 
So until you guys bring championships, USC and the Lakers still run L.A. <laughs> I think they're all going to love that, Curtis. <laughs> um, that's awesome. I sh- we should end on that, but he had two more. I'll give you one. But that's a great way to end it on. Um, he wants to know, do you think that the up-tempo is here to stay in college in the NFL, the up-tempo offense? You know what? That's a great question, man. Um, it's funny. You know, I was talking to a bunch of these coaches, and I was asking them, you know, what's harder? You know, you you guys trying to adapt to the quarterbacks that are coming into the National Football League and adjusting to their style or, you know, really, you know, being stubborn and, and getting these guys to learn a pro-style offense. And there's such a huge disconnect with college football and pro football now because everything is tempo. And these guys – you know, they don't even really know how to get in huddles. That's all I've been hearing all week. Is you got to teach these guys how to get in a huddle. They don't even know how to get in a huddle, <laughs> let alone, you know, pick up a real playbook and study. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, who changes because a lot of these spread quarterbacks, I mean, if you see the numbers that they put up are Gotti, but then they get in the league and, you know, we talk about it's a quarterback-driven league, but yet still we can't find more than 10 or 12 quarterbacks that can actually have some kind of stability in the league. Uh, I, I, I really think that the spread, uh, it's all it is is a two-minute offense to me. You know, that's how I look at it. We, it's a two-minute offense. You line up in one place. The, the problem with the spread offense is it hasn't won anything in the league. It hasn't won yet. You know, uh, and so will it win? I doubt it because I don't think we're so offensive-focused now and quarterback-driven supposedly that – we forget there's some pretty good athletes on the other side of the ball. And once these guys start getting knocked out, knocked down, and this is a business too. The NFL is a business. So, you know, how, how many times are you going to have your quarterback throw the ball and get sacked and get hit? You know, once these, these $100 million quarterbacks start taking a lot of hits because they're throwing the ball 40 times a game and now they're on the shelf, you're going to start handing that ball off. And, and look what people's <laughs> doing in Seattle. You know, look what he's doing in Seattle. He, he, you know, he's still running the football and playing conventional, traditional football in terms of running the ball first. That's the kind of part of their offense and playing good defense. And wouldn't it be amazing if Pete Carroll with a third-string, undersized, not prototype quarterback and Russell Wilson beat Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? Hmm. <laughs> I, I, if that happens, I don't think the spread is going to be around too long. No. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of Pete Carroll, this is the last question from SC Rules LA. Uh, who would you? Who would have been your home run hire for the USC's head coach, minus Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, and Pete Carroll? Who do you think would be the be- Who would be your pick? Oh, based on what we had last year, like if we had to go back. Yeah, hmm, I guess so. I that's guess a good. That's a good question. You know, um, I, I can't say I've done my homework on enough coaches to, you know, I'm very touchy when it comes to my school and who I would hire to run the football team because, you know, that's, you know, like I said, I, I, I bleed cardinal and gold. So I, I don't think I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, I actually wanted to see Coach O get a chance to a full season to see what he can do. But, you know, I, I think they, they brought somebody in from USC that understood uh, USC. Uh, you know, I think Sark, based on the candidates that was available, uh, I think uh, I think Pat did a good job in selecting and Sark. You know, I've always thought Sark was a pretty good offensive mind. I liked the way he turned Washington around and 
and made them a pretty good football team. Um, but I, I really didn't have a, a, a guy. I mean, the, of course, the guy I wanted back was, was, was Pete Carroll. And so uh, after that, um, it, it was pretty much wide open. I didn't really have a, I would say, a front-runner candidate that I would have put in that position. All right. Well, thanks very much for answering all the questions and uh, coming on the podcast, Curtis. It was great to hear from you. You can follow him on Twitter at Curtis Conway 80 at Curtis Conway 80. Check out the uh, NFL network coverage of the senior bowl. And of course you can see him on the PAC 12 network too. Does a great job there with Rick Neuheisel. They're boys. So don't, don't talk, don't talk shit about Rick. Neuheisel. <laughs> I could say that it's a podcast. It doesn't... <laughs> you, can, you can say that on your podcast, man. You know, hey, Trust me, they're saying worst thing on, on network TV, on regular TV now. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thanks again, though, Curtis. It was great to, to catch up with you a little bit and uh, hear what you had to say. And we hopefully we can have you on the down the road sometime, too. Ryan, anytime, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Curtis Conway, everyone. Check him out on Twitter at Curtis Conway 80. Thanks very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We'll talk to you on Monday at a regular show. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.